and welcome to X-Men Unraveled. I'm Noelle, and this podcast follows the stories of the X-Men in chronological order. Today, I'm covering the X-Men number three, where our heroes meet the villain known as the Blob. As I'm sure you can imagine from his mutant name, Blob is a character whose main visual feature is that he's a big guy. And of course, he's a bad guy. So there's a few things I want to go over before I get started, because Blob, real name Fred Dukes, is a character whose body is not only affected by his mutant powers, but also by cultural perceptions of fat bodies. Blob is a fat character, and his size is actually a key component of the strength of his mutant powers. He can make himself essentially immovable, able to stay in place even when hit with a significant amount of force, he has superhuman strength, and he's also incredibly resistant to injury. His skin is extremely elastic and difficult to cut, and his fat itself is protective and oftentimes deflects weapons or even bullets, all of which are incredibly useful abilities when battling superheroes, as villains often do. And an important factor about Blob is that throughout the comics, Fred Dukes seems to appreciate his body and what it does for him. He's not a character struggling with being fat, even though we regularly see him made fun of for it. Of course, we have to acknowledge that this shitty treatment is probably a pretty big influence on how he views other people, but we don't really see Blob upset at his size. He actually values it for the power that it gives him. And that's literally the only reason I'm okay with using his title, Blob, to refer to him. Because from the comics I've read, he doesn't view his body in a negative light. And Blob isn't just an insult for people to throw at him. I think originally it's safe to assume when he was created as a character, it was meant to be negative. But over the years, it's been reclaimed in a way to be positive for Fred Dukes. But he is cast as a villain, so in the issue I'm covering today, we have our thin heroes in conflict with a fat villain. For some background, I don't love talking about myself on the pod, but I work in the eating disorder field. I do admissions, so I spend a lot of time talking to families about the mental and physical effects of eating disorders and the negative impact of our perceptions of our own bodies and our comparison to others, and how that creates a lot of problems for many people, not even just people with eating disorders. So these are things I'm either talking about or thinking about a lot of the time. And it just came up for me, felt I needed to address it in talking about the blob. Because our culture views fat as inherently bad. The end result, and the reason I'm mentioning it, is that I think it's really important in discussing the Blob to differentiate his villainy from his body. He is not evil because he's fat. He's a bad guy because he does bad stuff, which is a really important distinction in a culture that usually views fatness as a moral failing in and of itself. Um, this was a big problem in X-Men Origins Wolverine, not the only problem with that movie by any stretch of the imagination. But it depicted Fred Dukes as being fat after developing an eating disorder, which I'm not even going to get into that. But in the movie, Blob's fatness represents like a brokenness in his character. It's like the physical manifestation of it. And that's not the case in the comics. His size is the result of his mutation, and it's the source of his strength. 
So I want to emphasize that we're not talking about that version of Blob from the movie or any of its implications about him as a person. But in the comics, even our heroes can be douchebags because they harass Blob for his appearance and make fun of him for being fat. And it's not really surprising, right? There's really only one body type for heroes in comics, and it's thin. There's some exceptions where there are characters who are larger, but often this is large, muscled characters. I'm thinking like Apocalypse or the Kingpin, and we're supposed to see their large size as a representation of their strength. And notably like Blob, these two aren't the most upstanding characters. But Blob is not portrayed as muscly. He is fat. But his fat also represents his strength in a similar way. But it doesn't reflect on his character, good or bad. There's very few superheroes who are fat. Um, I remember what a big deal Fat Thor was in the movie. Um, there are a few, but I had to Google them because they're not really top-tier household name heroes for the most part. And it's almost a given that if there's a hero, they will be thin. I think the Hulk is an exception, but then his human appearance is much more lean. And again, he's more of a muscly character. But my main point in all of this is that Blob is a bad guy and he happens to be fat. His fatness is not the reason he's a villain. And I just want to make that very clear before I get into the comic today, especially given his mutant name Blob, which I'll continue to use because it's not meant in a derogatory fashion. Um, but I just wanted to go over all of that before I got started because it can be kind of a sensitive topic, but... From my own reading of the comics, um, it's just, it's not something that he sees as negative, so we shouldn't read the comics and see it as something negative. All right, so that was a lot of exposition for one episode, so let's get into the comic. Today's issue is the X-Men number three, published in January of 1964, written by Stan Lee and drawn by Jack Kirby. The cover of the issue says, The X-Men battle the Blob, one of the strangest superfoes of all. As the picture shows four X-Men attacking a large fat man who is also dragging Gene behind him by the wrist. This is our first introduction to Fred Dukes on the page. The story starts out with the X-Men training in the danger room, Cyclops is in the middle of stopping bags of sawdust that are launched at him with his optic beams. Scott successfully blocks all of the objects, but when he's done, he doesn't seem very happy. Xavier asks him why he's so grim, because he thinks Scott should be more upbeat, as he's probably the most powerful X-Man. Scott says that he's afraid of losing control of his powers and of making a split-second mistake that could hurt someone. But Iceman, Angel, and Beast don't really have time for Scott's problems. They're just fucking around, and ultimately Scott joins in without much advice or encouragement from Xavier. He just tries to bury his concerns and move on. The four of them all carry on until Xavier stops them and tells Jean that it's her turn to train. And he has her moving a book through the air and then through these metal hoops, kind of like one of those baby toys where you have to fit the shapes into the right slot. Um, except it's a book and it's in the air. Jean does it perfectly and asks if she's ready for bigger tasks now. But Xavier shushes her because he's getting a mental reading of another mutant. He doesn't give the X-Men any more information than that, but he tells them to go get changed and set off to find this new mutant. 
Warren and Hank both race off to be the first ones back so that they can escort Jean. And then once again, we see Scott being sad. He's thinking to himself that he'd love to give his heart to Jean, but he's too concerned about his powers and how harmful they could be. And then we get an extremely uncomfortable scene, because as the three of them walk into the room, Jean is already there with Xavier, and he's in the middle of saying how she needs to be careful on the mission. Jean brushes it off, saying, don't worry, and we get a thought bubble of Xavier that I am going to go ahead and quote directly so you don't think I'm exaggerating, since I am a confirmed Xavier hater. Uh, he thinks to himself, don't worry, as though I could help worrying about the one I love, but I can never tell her. I have no right, not while I'm the leader of the X-Men and confined to this wheelchair. End quote. It's really bad. I know it was written in the 60s, but it doesn't make it any easier to read. And I'm sure there's people who will excuse this either because he keeps to himself or he doesn't act on these thoughts. And I would counter that this is a man who previously started a relationship with his patient, Gabrielle Holler, who was in the mental hospital back in Israel while he was her psychologist. So even if he manages to control himself in this situation with Jean, it's still worrying because we've seen that Xavier does not have good boundaries. Fortunately, he does manage to stop himself and doesn't say anything and keeps his thoughts in his own head, but... As the reader, we're just left to carry on uneasily. Xavier's male students, however, go ahead and act overtly on their obvious attraction to Jean. They all start fighting and bickering over who gets to go on the mutant search with her, and then Angel decides to just fly through the room and grab her and carries her outside and into his car. And then he speeds off with Jean in the passenger seat while Hank yells at him. At no point is Jean asked what she would like to do. She just gets kidnapped by her colleague. I feel so bad for Jean. Literally everyone around her is just being absolutely gross. Even if she doesn't know what Xavier's thinking, it's still gross. And really Cyclops. Scott Summers is the only one who comes out of this looking okay, to be fair. He's just pining away in the background, secretly in love with her, but not acting like a creep. But it is telling that we have one female character on the team, and almost her whole point is to be the center of a who's going to get with her storyline. I love reading the old comics, but there's just so many parts that are hard to read almost 60 years later. But anyway, Xavier didn't give the X-Men much of an idea about where to look for this mysterious new mutant, who it's supposed to be, nothing. They're just all randomly searching around town, investigating anyone they think might be a mutant. Eventually, Scott is the one who ends up in the right place. He gets off track at first. He's at a carnival and first investigates a guy who's playing one of those games where you there's those little metal ducks moving across the back of the tent and you shoot a little gun at them. And there's this guy shooting over his shoulder without looking and he's getting a bullseye on every one. So Scott thinks he must be using mutant powers to do that. But it just turns out to be a trick, and there's another dude sitting on the floor behind the counter who's the one actually shooting the gun. However, just as Scott is about to leave the area, he hears a man call out for the start of a sideshow. And he's trying to get the crowd interested and say that they will all be shocked by the performance of the blob. Scott thinks to himself that this could be a mutant, and almost immediately Xavier reaches out and confirms this. 
Where were you and what were you doing the rest of the time, Charles? I can't figure out if he's just bad at helping or, again, like doing a weird teaching moment thing, but he's not helpful. Makes me wonder if he knew exactly who and where the mutant was and he just decided not to share the information. Anyway, we first see the blob as he's standing on a stage in a white tank top, blue shorts, and a red and purple cape. Again, with the red and purple signifying the bad guy. He's also quite fat, and he has uh, rolls of fat drawn on him just to really make it clear to the reader. And when the show starts, the little announcer guy says that he wants 12 men to come up on stage, and they'll get $100 if they can move the blob from where he's standing. It is unclear if this is $100 each or they have to divide it. Either way, a group of men come up on stage and the blob just stands there while all of them are just shoving him and trying to get him to budge. They all fail, losing their $100 or $8.33, depending on how that money was going to be doled out. For Blob's next act, a man walks on a stage with a handgun and shoots seven shots at the blob. All of the bullets are caught in his skin and none of them hurt him. They just kind of like sink into his body and then get ejected back out without breaking the skin. After the show, Scott walks over to talk with the blob, convinced that the X-Men have to recruit him before the evil mutants can, now that he's seen his powers. And the blob by now is just chilling in his trailer, smoking a cigar, and reading the newspaper. Scott interrupts him, walks in, and asks if the blob has ever heard of the X-Men. And Blob answers, those jerky juveniles in the corny costumes? He says he has, but he's not impressed. And Scott gets defensive, because of course he does. We saw how great he is at recruiting when he got into a fight with Iceman, and this doesn't go a whole lot better. He tells the Blob that the X-Men want to see him at their headquarters, and they don't take no for an answer. Really, Scott needs some training before he gets sent out on these recruiting missions. But Blob is not having it. He calls Scott a string bean and tells him to get away before he throws him away. Fortunately, before there is a chance for the two of them to get in a fight, Warren and Jean walk up. Warren apologizes to the Blob for his friend, saying that Scott couldn't convince a drowning man to take a life preserver, and he asks Blob to join him and Jean to drive back to meet the X-Men. But the Blob starts acting like an ass and grabs Jean, calling her a cute tomato which I guess is because of her red hair, but I don't know. One of the worst possible ways to compliment a woman? Is it even a compliment? I don't know. Scott gets mad about that and hits him with his optic beam, knocking Blob to the floor. But Gene comes to the Blob's defense and helps him up. And then he agrees to go with them, presumably because he thinks Gene's hot and she was nice to him. Back at the X-Mansion, Xavier has the Blob demonstrate his powers and afterward tells him how great he is. And Blob is pretty full of himself and says he could have just told them all how awesome he is if they wanted to know. Iceman gets annoyed at this and tries to stop the Blob or show him up by locking one of his feet in solid ice, but Blob breaks out of it right away. Then Xavier says that he believes the Blob is a mutant and extends an offer to him to join the X-Men. Blob turns him down flat, and things go downhill immediately. 
Xavier starts shouting at him and says that no one has ever turned down the X-Men and the Blob can't be allowed to leave anyway because he knows their identities. So he orders the X-Men to attack and take the Blob to his lab so he can erase his memory. It's a mess. So the X-Men go after him, but the Blob fends them all off and manages to escape. He goes back to the carnival, but he knows that the X-Men are going to come after him. So he decides to go on the offensive. First, he goes to the carnival owner and announces that he is homo superior and he's going to be running things from now on. And he calls all the workers and performers at the carnival together and orders them to join in his fight against the X-Men. And then the Blob and his horde of carnies descend upon the X-Mansion. There is an elephant, sharpshooters, acrobats, tumblers, a gorilla, and a couple cowboys with lassos. It is quite the shit show. While the X-Men are caught in this mess trying to fend off their attackers, Xavier thinks to himself that they don't have the right mastery of their skills for such a fight. Which seems a bit harsh. It's literally a small army that they're fighting, and he's been throwing things at them and having Gene play baby games. But Xavier is also working on a device that will amplify his powers to erase the memories of the Blob and all his cronies at the same time. Unfortunately, he's taking a while to put it together, and all five of the X-Men are captured. They are able to escape a few minutes later when Xavier mentally talks to Jean and directs her attention to a circus wagon full of knives that the carnies have brought over. And Jean uses her powers to carry a knife over from the wagon and cut the ropes off herself and her teammates. By this time, the Blob has led all his followers into the X-Mansion and they have Xavier cornered. Just then, the X-Men come rushing in and manage to turn the tide of the fight while Xavier erases the attacker's memories. And suddenly, having no idea where they are or what's happening, the Blob and his pals decide to just leave and head back to the carnival. And the X-Men save the day from their own failure. I really don't blame Blob for anything in this issue. He is just living his carny life, not bothering anyone when the X-Men show up. And just because he doesn't want to join their little club, he becomes enemy number one. And the track record for the X-Men is not great three issues in. The fight with Magneto was basically a draw since he escaped. And they only stopped the Vanisher and the Blob by wiping their memories after getting their asses handed to them in fights. I don't even blame the X-Men themselves, to be honest. Last time, Xavier seems to have intentionally set them up to fail against the Vanisher to prove that they needed his help, and his idea to invite the Blob to their secret headquarters before he's even agreed to join them just seems dumb. And as I'm going through all of this, um, the X-Men are a really hot mess by the end of this issue. Each one ends like they're conquering heroes, but that is not really the case when you add it all up. But this is how we first meet the Blob. He's a pretty formidable enemy to fight and is apparently charismatic enough to get people to race into battle against superheroes for him. And I would be pretty mad too if some randos wanted to erase my memory, so I really can't hold anything in this episode against him. Actually, I take that back. He was a creep to Gene, so everything but that is pretty understandable. We will see the Blob again soon, but next time we'll meet some new villains as Magneto has put together his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And I finally get to talk about the Scarlet Witch on this podcast, so expect me to be very happy about that. 
Before we leave Blob for today, though, I do want to remember that the Blob is a character whose body requires us to think about our own assumptions about fat bodies. I'm not an expert on this, so if this is a topic you're interested in, I would recommend checking out the podcast Maintenance Phase if you haven't. It's really popular, doesn't need my endorsement, but it's full of great conversations about health, how fat people are treated, and how problematic many of our culture's ideas about health can be and health fads. Um, It's a really good show. And I would also recommend listening to The Trial of Fred Dukes on Gray Malkin Lane, if you haven't. Uh, We touched on some of these facets of his character and also had fun putting him on trial for his crimes because his fatness is not the reason he's bad, but he has still done some really bad shit. So go check that out, too, if you want to, like, read ahead and see what happens throughout the Blob's life. But that is all I have for today. If you're enjoying the show, it would be really awesome if you'd leave a review. Uh, and you can follow the podcast Instagram at X-Men Unraveled. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode, and I'll be back next time with our first introduction to the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Bye! Bye!